0: We're three weeks away from the Cowboys' first preseason game against the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck will be on the call for that game, number eight's 21st year in the booth for Fox. The Cowboys legend joins us to preview the 2021 season, talk about his approach as a broadcaster and whether he still has an interest in being a GM one day. Then, Jane Slater of the NFL Network joins us to talk about Cowboys' training camp, what players she'll be watching what to expect from a healthy Dak Prescott, and you won't want to miss her predictions on who the breakout Cowboys stars will be on HBO's Hard Knocks show. Finally, Mark Folliwell joins us to talk about CONCACAF games at the Cotton Bowl Stadium and the Mavs hiring of Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with our next-level intern, Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening and subscribing, everybody. Monica, this is episode 22. They still haven't kicked us off the internet. We're still trying to do better each and every week. When I think of the number 22, unlike our first guest, Troy Aikman, I think of Rolando Blackman, of course, the whose number hangs from the rafters of the American Airlines Center. Rangers fans might go to Steve Bouchel or Will Clark. I didn't realize Brett Hull wore number 22 his first season with the Stars. So when he scored that controversial, dramatic triple overtime game winner in, in game six in Buffalo to give the Stars their only Stanley Cup, he was wearing number 22. But for most people in Dallas, the number 22 means Bob Hayes and Emmett Smith. Of course, the Cowboys don't retired numbers, but they haven't given 22 to anybody since Emmett, just like they haven't given anybody number eight since Troy Ward. I don't think they will anytime soon. It's an easy call for me to go with Roe, but uh, I don't know, Monica, Marcus, you guys want to weigh in here?
1: Well, I think for me, I have to go with Emmett Smith as well. So I'll be interested to see Troy's opinion here uh, later on, but uh, I've got to go Emmett. Marcus, where where are you at on this?
2: How about the Rangers
3: newly um, rostered Jack later the number two pick in the most recent draft He wore 22. So, you know, we're a little bit excited now we got um, some help coming in coming into Texas to help this young team so that that's my 22 today.
0: All right, Jack Leiter, son of uh, Al lighter who spent 19 years in the big league so no matter what number Jack Leiter wears for the Rangers we hope he does well. Monica, Big 12 football media days are back, took place uh, this week at AT AT&T Stadium. Without question, the biggest story is your Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian taking over, the third head coach in the last eight years. How are you feeling? Are the Longhorns back? Is this going to be? Oh, suddenly
1: We're always back. It's always we're back. We're going to be on top of the Big 12. We're going to be playing for a national championship. I mean, uh, come on. Uh, We're... I'm, I'm excited for this season. I, I think there's a lot of positive uh, coming out of that, uh, out of Austin and uh, what uh, Sarkeesian is, uh, is doing there. So excited to get them back on the field uh, uh, and see some college and, and NFL football, honestly. I'm, I'm ready for football season. Yeah, me
0: too. It won't be long. A big mic drop moment Wednesday night when Arike Bowali of the Dallas Wings was named MVP of the WNBA all-star game. She scored 26 points to lead Team WNBA over Team USA. Now, Arike is Tony Faye's favorite WNBA player because, you know, she did lead Notre Dame to the national championship in 2018. So way to go, Arike, and happy for the Wings. A young team. We're going to get them going in the second half. And also, and this is kind of a Marcus's, up Marcus's alley, Luka Doncic this week named to the cover of the NBA 2K uh, video game First time a Mavericks ever done that. And then we doubled down with Dirk on the 75th anniversary edition cover alongside Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Kevin Durant. So all cool stuff going on. It's always in Dallas. The sports scene is jam-packed no matter what time of year. Monica, what's happening at the Dallas Sports Commission?
1: Well, a big week for CONCACAF Gold Cup. So uh, we we started off the CONCACAF Gold Cup with uh, uh, Mexico playing at AT&T Stadium this past weekend, uh, just finished up. Uh, Mexico versus Guatemala over at Cotton Bowl Stadium. El Salvador and uh, Trinidad Tobago as as well over at Toyota Stadium. So we'll finish up group stage on uh, Sunday uh, at Cotton Bowl Stadium. Mexico plays El Salvador, so it should be a really uh, a really exciting uh, fan base uh, there as well. Uh, you know, one of Concacaf's key messages that's really come out over the last few months is the what's wrong is wrong anti-discrimination campaign so really been focusing on that especially with uh, the Mexican team here uh, in market and we really consider Dallas to be the the home away from home for the Mexican national team so uh, uh, hoping that the, the fans get that messaging and we can have a, a great atmosphere out at Cotton Bowl Stadium so uh, for us uh, a, a lot of soccer as we progress through our our FIFA World Cup bid, uh, for 2026 and uh, try to, you know, it's been a lot of learning lessons actually for us this, this week, uh, ha- had the opportunity to kind of assess how all of our venues uh, are operating. I mean, obviously it's not the first time that any of these venues have hosted soccer, but uh, it's putting us on a, on a different level and uh, a lot of international eyes as uh, uh, teams gear up for, for the uh, world cup next year. So a lot of soccer happening here in Dallas. And uh, I think, uh, um Sully will be going into uh, our WWE WrestleMania planning coming up uh, here at the beginning of, of August. So uh, we host that in March, uh, April 2022 over at AT&T Stadium and then other ancillary events at the American Airlines Center and Kay Bailey Hutchison Convention Center. So uh, we're excited to get that planning uh, going for, for another major event uh, coming to the Dallas area.
0: Well, the last time WrestleMania hit AT&T Stadium, there was 102,000, I believe, of all-time record uh, crowd on hand. And we've got WWE rolling through DFW this weekend. It's their return to having fans in attendance. The first pay-per-view with fans in attendance is Sunday night at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth. That's the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Followed by Monday, uh, uh, Monday Night Raw at uh, American Airlines Center. Sunday night in the pay-per-view, I'm going to be there. Uh, I've got Charlotte over Rhea Ripley in the Raw (laughs) Women's Championship. Drew McIntyre is going to prevail in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And my main man, AJ Styles and Omos are going to defend their Raw Tag Team title against the hated Viking Raiders. So everybody should check that out too. Back in a moment with Troy Aikman, but first over to Rachel.
2: PowerHands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, Power Hands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, Power Hands is Dallas-based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth and underserved communities. Go to PowerHands.com and improve your athletic performance today.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Troy Aikman is someone who, you know, the proverbial needs no introduction, but we're going to do one anyway because Troy led the Cowboys to three Super Bowls, which hasn't happened since he did that, has been been back to the Super Bowl since Troy's time. Number one overall pick in the 89 draft, owns every important Cowboys passing record, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 06. He's also in the College Football Hall of Fame from his time at UCLA. There's no question that Troy will one day be in the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. This upcoming season will be Troy's 20th alongside Joe Buck on Fox's 18 on NFL coverage. Only Madden and Summerall were together longer. That was 22 years, but it was split over CBS and Fox. Troy and, and Joe are gaining on him. So one day this could be the longest standing, one day soon, the longest standing uh, team working together, bringing you the big NFL game e- each week. And Monica, as I, as I hand off to you, we know that Troy is an incredibly competitive comp- person but can you believe that in addition to all he accomplished on the football field he is the 1983 oklahoma state high school typing champion
1: <laughs> well Sully, that uh, that brings me to a good question here troy we have to know with everything else and focus on uh, on football how as a high school sophomore did you become that oklahoma state typing <laughs> champion and why was that on your uh, bucket list i guess at that time <laughs>
4: <laughs> well it, it it you know some things just kind of happen organically and that was uh that was one of those deals you know it was uh i took typing one my mom was actually a typesetter i i, I don't know if uh if, if it's genetics or not but uh she was a she was an outstanding typist and I took typing because uh, all the attractive girls were in the class and and then I just took to it. It happened, you know, It I excelled at it. And actually the, the contest that I won, uh, my sister, who's a year older, she was supposed to go on that, but she decided she didn't want to. So I was the second best in the class and I went. And I, I didn't even think I had done all that well. And then at the end of the day, when they announced the winners for the various uh, things that they had, and they, I, I, I didn't think I had a chance of winning. they announced my name. It was, I will say it was a little embarrassing being the typing <laughs> champion, uh, you know, in a big, big room full of people and having to be the one, you know, as a guy. And I was, I, I think I was the only guy in, in that contest as well. Uh, but I've told my girls to take typing. It's been the best thing with computers and everything that's happened since that time. It's uh, it's been probably the best thing I got from school, you know, so so I'm happy about that. Well, that
1: had to be interesting going back into the football locker room of, uh, yay, I, I'm the typing champion. I bet they oh, yeah. uh, they did gig you a little bit there.
4: Yeah, everybody was everybody was real proud of me. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Troy, we're, we're going to switch a little bit to the Cowboys training camp right around the corner. <laughs> uh, what should we expect from our Cowboys this season?
4: Well, you know, uh, Monica, it seems like we, we kind of say the same thing each year. I think there's high expectations or there, there there always has been, even when maybe some of those expectations haven't been realistic going back many, many years. But I, I do think uh, that this is a football team that's capable of being pretty good. Uh, you know, it's uh, health obviously is always a factor, not only with them, but with every team. But I think defensively, you know, that seems to be the part where everyone's a little bit concerned. But they've got some good players. It's just a matter of whether, if the, if the players live up and play to their ability, I, I think it could be a, a respectable defense. And I think it can complement that offense. And then the offensive line is the other part of that. But uh, I, I think that because of what's happened over the years and so many years where there's been disappointment or the team hasn't quite lived up to what maybe the expectations have been that on a national level, uh they they maybe haven't gotten quite as much attention going into this season uh as as what i would expect but i do think they've got a chance to be a really good football team and i hope it comes together for them but they've got to start fast because i think after coming off a year like last year uh it's uh it's important to kind of get that that feeling out of their minds and uh and get off to a good start
1: well i think one of the big questions in fans (laughs) eyes is dak prescott it's his sixth season uh we hear he's healthy um you know, how good can Dak be? And where do you think he ranks in terms of NFL quarterbacks?
4: Well, I've, uh, I'm a huge fan of Dak's. And then I, I say it all the time, ever since he came into the league and what I've admired most about him is the way that he's handled himself. I think he's worked exceptionally hard to get to where he is as a player, but you know, you don't come across that many guys who just inspire and lead a locker room the way in which he does. I think he represents the Cowboys exceptionally well. At a time when there's more and more visibility on these quarterbacks and the way in which they do represent their teams and our community, I I, I don't think there's anybody better. So uh, he was off to such a good start last year, even though the team was struggling a little bit. There was a lot of reasons for that, but not not so much because of his play. He was doing a lot of really great things. And I, I really expect that to continue. I, I know there is somewhat of a question mark as far as his ankle. And even though he says he's ready to go and 100%, what exactly does that mean? Is is the 100% now the same as what it was prior to the injury? My guess is it is that we won't see uh, any changes in the way in which he plays or his mobility. But uh, I, I think that he, he, I, I still feel that he's just scratching the surface as far as what he's capable of doing. So, I was thrilled to see him get the long-term contract. Um, you know, he, he, I think he's very deserving of it, and I think he'll live up to the to, to the numbers. You know, and and it, things change when you go from being a fourth-round pick and you're you're somewhat underpaid uh, for being a starting quarterback in the league to all of a sudden being. One of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. Expectations change a lot. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that, but I think he'll hold up to it just fine.
0: Troy, right. isn't there? Isn't there always more pressure on whoever the Cowboys' quarterback is? Doesn't there's enhanced responsibility? It seems nationally, as you know firsthand, don't you think?
4: Well, I, I will say this, Kevin. I I think that there's pressure on all 32 teams. I mean, all, I mean all 32 quarterbacks. I I, I think that you know, there's a fan base for each one of these teams with that said, because of the Cowboys and because of their visibility and you watch any sports show really during the off season or in season, virtually all of them lead off with the Cowboys. And so there, there, is there added pressure? I I don't know about that, but, but you don't get lost like some quarterbacks do in some cities. If you're not playing well and the team's not playing well, then nobody's talking about it where that's not the case. Uh, with the Cowboys. And I think that because of the franchise's success in the history, uh, there there the, the is expectations amongst our fan base. And, and that's what I'm most proud of, Kevin, of being a part of. And I guess helping to build that was, you know, Roger had, he, he had all his success and won a couple of Super Bowls. And then in the 90s, we came along and you know, we won three Super Bowls. And so there's this legacy of of five Super Bowls, and that has become really the measuring stick for quarterbacks in Dallas, and 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 that's a good thing. I mean, it tells you about the success of the organization. But I I think that's as it should be. And my hope is that Dak not only wins one Super Bowl, I ho- I hope he wins four or five. You know, that would be uh, that'd be awesome for him, and be really great for the organization.
0: You mentioned the Cowboys always being in the spotlight. <laughs> We've got HBO Hard Knocks following them around uh, this year, and. In- in training camp would would you have wanted that or wh- how would you have felt about that in the 90s and uh and how do you think it'll go for them this time
4: well i you know kevin I'm, I'm i'm a little surprised that that it is the cowboys just because they've done it now a couple of times and i don't know i'm not in those meetings but my guess is is that they probably could have opted out of of having to be the team on hard knocks i I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't have liked it. I wouldn't like it now. If, if, if I were one of the Cowboys players going into this season, I, I would just prefer to go about our business and not have cameras and not have the distractions of the cameras, especially in a year that's so important. It's, it's important for so many people. It seems like and I and I know it's easy to say that every year, but I think there's there is pressure on Mike McCarthy and this football team to go to come back this year and do some good things. Last year was disappointing, but I don't think we can measure that based on all of the COVID restrictions and all that went into that. But the uh, the Hard Knocks, I think they do a great job. I think they do a terrific job, and I love watching the series regardless of whoever the team is. And I and I and I get it. You know, if uh, if Hard Knocks could have the Cowboys every year. Uh, they they would do that, you know. That's good television. Uh, I just don't know that it's in the best interest of having the best season you can possibly have here in twenty one.
0: I was at uh, NBC Sports in two thousand when when or two thousand and one when you joined Fox as a as a broadcaster then on the number two team, and I remember at the time, and of course having been in Dallas for a long time, I, I had always followed the Cowboys closely and. I remember the media reporters and sort of broadcast pundits saying that, well, Aikman's a thoughtful guy. He's a smart guy. And, you know, he, he's going to be pretty good, but he's never, he's too nice. He's never going to criticize the players and his analysis is going to be, you know, soft because he's such a, a, a clean cut, you know, nice, nice guy. <laughs> did you, did, did you, were you aware of that Scott report and how do you handle moments when you have to be
4: a little bit uh, critical? Hey, Kevin, I'm just glad they were saying I was smart back in 2001. I mean, I'll take it. You know, I mean, I'll take it. So, um, yeah, you know, I was asked my very first press conference when it was announced that I was going to work with Joe Buck and Chris Collinsworth there in 2002 and be on the number one team. I was asked, hey, do you think you can be critical? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? What do you think you can be critical of the players when they, and I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that that's my job. My job's to be honest. I mean, if, if, if being critical is what's required at a moment, then yeah, I think I can do that. But there seems to be this notion that in order to say you're doing your job, that you're being critical or being negative, And that's not really my approach. I think people who have followed me, uh, know that I'm willing to say what, what, I'm willing to say the hard things. Um, I I never go into a game with an agenda of trying to attack a player or attack a team. I try to let it unfold as however the game is being played, but yeah, I don't find it's got, I will say this, that the further away you get from the field, the, 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 I don't want to say easier, but the more comfortable you become in expressing an honest opinion uh, because you don't have, as close a relationship i don't want to say you don't have relationships because i have great relationships with with coaches all over the league and players but i just feel like it's my job to be fair and if being critical is part of being fair i don't mind doing that and i will be honest i've never had a player who's come up to me because these players watch these games used to when i played i never knew what john madden or pat summerall were saying about me but but now it's replayed on NFL network. They have so much, it's easier access for them to be able to hear what everyone was saying, especially with social media. If you say something really tough, it's they're going to find out about it, but I've never had a player come up and challenge me. I have had say, Hey, you mentioned this. And I said, yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't think you did a very good. and, And they say, no, you're right. You know, I didn't do my job. And, and, and so, um, I'm very comfortable with where I'm at right now. And I don't feel like I'm too soft or too hard. Um, but you know, I'm sure. You know, I, I'm sure every broadcaster feels that way. But I'm, but I, there's probably people out there that, that would disagree, and that's okay too. I, I know that it's tough doing Cowboys games because Cowboys fans think I'm too hard on the Cowboys, and yet the opponent always thinks I'm still a homer for the Cowboys. So that's one of those. Uh, whenever I have the Cowboys games, you, you can't win. You know, one way or another. I think I think Cowboys fans see Michael Irvin in the studio with his Cowboys pom-poms and and, and he's he's clearly supporting the, the Cowboys and they expect me to be like that on the air and of course doing games. You can't you can't be a cheerleader for a team like uh, like like Strahan can be with the Giants or Michael can be with the Cowboys when you're a studio analyst.
1: So Troy, uh, as you approach the broadcasting of a Cowboys game uh, maybe differently from uh from other teams, do you ever get that phone call from uh Jerry Jones after a broadcast saying, "Troy, you said what about the Cowboys?"
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I haven't uh I haven't had that. Now, I may get some rolled eyes after an episode on the Ticket, you know, after a, a Tuesday morning episode <laughs> on on uh, on the Ticket. They they tend to hit a little harder than some of the the national stuff, but no, they. I, you know, the, I think the great thing about Jerry over the years, uh, not not just with me, I think in general, with you guys know better than I do, is that I, I think he has handled uh, the media very, very well, and I don't think he's overly sensitive to to what uh, national pundits say about him or the team, and I think he understands that it's all part of the game, and that it's uh, at the end of the day. If they're talking about the Cowboys, that's a good thing. So it's it's been good. but no I've, I've never had a call from him or anyone within the family or or, or even uh, even longtime friend Rich Dalrymple, who's who's their PR director, as y'all know, uh, they understand the job and, and what all that entails.
1: Well, Troy, I have to introduce you to, to someone else on our our podcast. Uh, I have a intern. His name is Aikman, and uh, his uh, father and and parents were big Cowboys fans, and he they, he was named after you. So, uh, Aikman, I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Troy Aikman here, and uh, let you throw him a few questions. Good morning, Troy. It's great to finally meet you.
4: Yeah. Good morning. Wow. It's a uh, it's a good thing your your parents weren't like fans of someone like named Roethlisberger or something. I mean, can you imagine hard enough going through, hard enough going through life with your name Aikman?
3: Yeah, funny thing is, in high school and football, we needed emergency quarterback, and I just played nothing but defense, and they're like, hey, you got the name for it, so I was the emergency Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah you better be able to throw a tight spiral with Aikman.
3: Yeah, so one of <laughs> the biggest questions that I had for you was, so you've been extremely successful in your playing career, You're extremely successful in your broadcasting career, but you've expressed some interest in the last few years of becoming a GM. So what is it about becoming a GM that interests you so much? Uh,
4: Well, I'll tell you what, that I'm, I'm, I, I really did think at one time early that, that that's the route I would go. I, this broadcasting thing, we talked about it going into my, my 21st year uh, 20th with the, with the number one team. And, I thought I'd do it for a couple of years and then and then move into a front office and kind of go that path and and now it's it's probably you know whether that opportunity presents itself or not' we'll, you know we'll see but the 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 interest is I think the challenge of the job and as a player and as someone who while I was playing had clear thoughts on what it took to be successful and the type of locker room you need and the players and the support Uh, and all of those things it it would be it it would be a challenge for me and it would be a way for me to to just put action to what my thoughts were and see how that worked and I said many times I I do feel that I've been around enough good football teams I was a part of great football teams I see it I've been watching it for the last two decades as to why teams are successful and what that chemistry is Uh, it would be it would be worthwhile for me to put that to the test and and see if i could build that myself and i think that would be the biggest challenge because quite honestly the job i have i don't i don't know that there's a greater job in america than the job that i currently have and and i and i know you got to be careful what you wish for sometimes and i know that if i went into a front office the hours would double the pay would be cut in half and it would be a big adjustment so it would be done really more because of the challenge, as opposed to any quality of life that would be uh, that would be expected.
3: Okay. So, and going back to broadcasting, your partner Joe Buck, he does more than um, broadcast football. In the fall, I'm a Dodger fan, so I always see him on the Dodger games in the playoffs, and I see y'all two doing Cowboy games a lot. Have you ever considered maybe branching
4: out outside of football and doing other sports? Um, no, not really. Uh, I've had people ask me, you know, and the difference is, play-by-play guys, they they do get to do all the other sports, whereas as an analyst, you're you're generally uh, you're 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 the you're the expert because that's the sport you played. So it becomes a hard thing for an analyst to be regarded as an expert uh, in another sport if, in fact, they didn't play in that sport at that level. So it becomes hard now. There's a guy named Joel Klatt, who is uh, the lead analyst for our college football broadcast at Fox. And he's done some golf. But what he's done is he's interviewed people, you know, when they've come in. So that's different than breaking down somebody's swing and, and all of that. But um, I've always kind of believed you just kind of stay in your lane. And, and I'm just trying to stay in my lane right now doing football. And uh, no, I don't think I'd ever do another sport.
0: Well, this was way to go, Aikman. This was cool to introduce uh, Aikman to Troy Aikman, and, and you know the the listeners can't see, but Aikman put on a shirt and tie for this, uh, unlike the rest of us on the mic drop. So very, very impressive from uh, from from young Aikman.
4: Uh, you know, I Troy wanted is... I wanted to say Aikman, I wanted to call him Aikman, but I got to tell you, there's just something a little <laughs> little weird about that. So I just I couldn't I couldn't quite you know if his name was Troy, I could have done that, but yeah. <laughs> calling someone Aikman is a little uh, I, I don't know. I just, not quite comfortable doing that yet.
0: Well, you know, one day maybe you'll meet in person, and it will be a little less weird. I try as we let you go. Uh, you know, you talked about how busy your life is. Anybody who who follows you on social media, especially Instagram, knows that what you're really about is being a devoted dad, and 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 you've spent a lot of time in the community doing doing fantastic community work uh, in Dallas and and in Oklahoma and elsewhere. Uh, you know, you're, the, you you post pictures of workouts. Just t- talk for just a minute about the health, wellness, the balance you have in life as a dad, and 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 how that helps you be at your best, and all the other things that you that you do.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you asking about that, Kevin. You know, I uh, I've always worked out. I worked out, of course, while I was playing, and then even when I retired, uh, I, I I worked out, and I have been working out ever since. And I would say over the last few years, I, I've even. Taking it to another level and I've gotten to where I've read a lot of books about nutrition and and uh, the benefits of sleep and I've been meditating for about eight years now uh, I've, I've noticed huge improvements and gains in in that area so it's just you know I'm just in a I'm at, I'm at a point in my life where I'm I, I am just trying to to when I go to bed each night be better than I was when I woke up whatever that might be whether that's through working out whether that's through being a better father or you know whatever whatever that is uh I want to just be as as good as I can possibly be and and I've noticed great improvements over, over the last several years as a result of that and then being a father you're right I mean it's the it's the greatest thing uh I know anyone who is a parent understands that and my youngest just graduated and Uh, now I'll be an empty nester. So it's another, it's another new phase for me, uh, of life. And so on the one hand, you say, gosh, you, you know, are you ready for this? And yet, um, I'm excited about it too, because, uh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm excited watching my girls grow and blossom into young ladies and what their futures might be, but I'm also excited for myself and whatever this new chapter will be for me as well. So, i'm just in a i'm in a really good place i feel the best that i've ever felt and uh i just keep trying to keep trying to stay along that path and uh and be the best version of myself as i can be as 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 corny as that sounds to everybody out there that's what it's kind of what no, i'm doing it, it,
0: try it's been a privilege to have you on the mic drop i think you've inspired some of our listeners and we have a we have some breaking news for you we mentioned uh Pro Football Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame. I just got a text from the International Typing Hall of Fame, and you're going to be inducted <laughs> in 2022. So congratulations uh, on that too. Really, really a blast having you on. Uh, all the best uh, heading out to uh, training camp. Try to avoid the Hard Knocks cameras, and uh, <laughs> and all the best in your uh, for continued success in your career, both in the booth and and with your with your family. Thanks so much. I appreciate y'all having me on. All right, everybody, Troy Aikman, how cool was that? Uh, and now let's go over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown. Within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The uptown terrace infinity pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the dallas skyline at night go to omnihotels.com dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today because why big wins happen here
0: we now are pleased to welcome jane slater of the nfl network to the mic drop this is yet another national correspondent who's based in dallas jane covers the cowboys and more there's a very good chance if you turn on the NFL network any time of day, you're going to see Jane uh, on the air. It seems like she's on all the time. Because that's how hard she works. Formerly of ESPN, the Longhorn Network, once did three internships at a time, I'm told. That's how she paid her dues. Did radio, including a show on the fan with Mark Elfenbein. Love to hear more about that one day. Uh, she's really paid her dues. A product of Rowlett, Texas, and Monica.
5: Oop, we're, welcome. Once
0: again, we're, we're hitting our quota of, of Longhorns for Monica uh, Jane, welcome to the show.
5: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys.
0: And, and today you're the Troy Aikman. He was the Troy Aikman was the Jane Slater pregame show today. <laughs> so so uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, Cowboys, of course, heading heading to Oxnard for training camps soon. Give us your uh, early preview, your scouting report.
5: I think it's going to be intriguing for us to actually see Mike McCarthy uh, leading a camp. I mean, we were able to see them in some capacity last year during training camp, but Oxnard is a whole different animal. Um, you know, I think adding the element of the hard knocks camera, I know you guys were joking with Troy about that earlier. It's something else. And we've just, you know, heard that, and I've confirmed the Cowboys aren't, uh, where they need to be in terms of vaccination. So what does that mean? Well, that means that camp's going to look very different. If the players had gotten vaccinated, uh, as was the push, I think they needed up to 70%, then they would have had normal meeting rooms and they would have had a, a as normal camp as you possibly can in COVID. But as a result of that, there is going to be some isolation. And so you typically go to these training camps that you can bond and have these breakout sessions, go to dinner, stuff like that that is not going to be happening for them because until the players get vaccinated, they have to have a 14 day gap or a 14 day window from the vaccination to being fully able to, to, be able to apply to all the policies. So you've got the hard knocks cameras watching all of this. So it's going to be interesting this year, but in terms of actually what we're looking for in football, I think the biggest story headline that I'm going to be covering is Dak Prescott. How does he look? Um, he said he felt pretty comfortable moving from left to Right got his confidence up, but we haven't seen him in team drills yet. So seeing that coupled with the return of Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, Zeke's been putting in the work this offseason, you know, hopefully we'll see this offense turn the corner because that was an offense that we were not used to seeing since Dak Prescott took the reins back in 2016.
0: Clearly, you know, Dak is the number one story. The number two story may be, did the Cowboys do enough in the offseason to improve on defense? What do you, what do you think about that side of the ball?
5: I think line item number one was they needed a new coaching staff. And I'd reported that last year. The players were not receptive to the coaching. They didn't feel like even though the scheme was something they could tackle, they didn't have enough time to implement it. And even Mike McCarthy said, we tried to do too much too soon. Uh, When you talk to these players, as we did during minicamp and OTAs, they seemed genuinely excited about this coaching staff, which was not something we heard when describing Mike Nolan and Jim Tomsula, Granted, they had COVID, there wasn't an opportunity to bond with the coaches that you normally would, but even these players have talked about being able to go back to some of their natural positions, guys like Randy Gregory, guys like Leighton Vanderesh. So to see that translating so early, I think is a big deal. Just knowing what I knew about that locker room and the disconnect from coaching and even some of the roster. Uh, They said goodbye to a lot of free agents, brought in a lot of new guys, and then, of course, if you followed the Cowboys draft, they went heavy on defense, and we're already seeing some of those guys really sort of force you to pay attention to them um, in training camp, namely Micah Parsons, who not only, I think, wants to impress his teammates, but impress us in the media. The guy is easily going to be one of your bigger characters on Hard Knocks.
0: Well, that's a uh, that's a good note to, to look for, because we've been asking our guests, you know, who do you think the breakout personality will be? So Micah Parsons, we're going to we're going to we're going we're gonna to circle
5: Terrell Balsam another one. Big fan of his so far.
0: OK, that that's personality that's
5: good to know. wise. We haven't had enough time to assess him as as a player, but personality wise, he's another one I think is going to stand out.
0: Anyone else from the from the uh, 2021 draft class or from undrafted free agents, the Cowboys signed that might have an impact uh, this season. What do you think?
5: Uh, Nation writes another one. I think that's really uh, been standing out in practice Um You know, I think there's going to be a lot of competition at corner, so which is good. Um, Not competition at corner, but at linebacker. Linebacker is a position group they needed help with, and we're also really seeing George Edwards, who of course worked with guys like Harrison Smith up with the Vikings. Who, when he was coming here, those guys were devastated because of his impact, and then you sort of saw what happened to the Minnesota Vikings defense when he left. Um, So that was one thing I sort of keyed in on on practice was seeing him get a lot of work in with the linebackers and. I mean, the Cowboys were just getting shredded in the run game last year. If you just look at the Baltimore Ravens games on the road, I believe it was Thursday night when Des Bryant was supposed to make his debut and then there was the COVID mix-up. So, yeah, I think that's the position group we're going to probably see the most out of. Um, And then with Trayvon Diggs getting a second year at corner, you know, seeing how that position group shakes up. And then, you know, I'm sure we're going to be talking about safety at some point because we do every year. (laughs)
1: So, Jane, I'm going to go back to uh, HBO and, and Hard Knocks, and we had Shereen Williams on with us uh, last week from Pro Football Talk. And Love her. Yeah, a great fan. And uh, she said she wasn't sure which player was going to be the, uh, the human interest story and spotlight of, of Hard Knocks, but she kind of predicted Jerry Jones. Do, we, do you think uh, Jerry may, uh, may see some of that spotlight?
5: I think he's the obvious one, but I think if they're looking for a human interest story, Randy Gregory said he doesn't want to talk about all the off the field stuff and his road back, but I think it's hard not to love Randy uh, covering him since his rookie season. This was his first, he said, true mini camp. And I even asked him at one point during OTAs. And of course, you know, it's hard right now. We're in this business because of how we connect and build relationships with these players in the locker room We're the eyes and ears of the fans. And it's really hard to do that this way. I think a lot of us have gotten used to it in some capacity, but it's the off the side chats. It's the reason why we we came to love guys like Joe Looney and Antoine Woods was, you know, keying in on players like them. But Randy Gregory was, was this guy I think a lot of us always had a soft spot for because he was such a good guy that just had so many personal demons. And there was such a clear, um, there was such a clear mind and, Uh, direction and plan that he had for himself, how he was going to lead, how he was going to play, how he had identified with his coaching staff that really stood out to me. And so I think the hard knock cameras, if I'm one of the producers, he's a story I'm highlighting. And of course, Dak Prescott, you know, coming back uh, from what he went through. Another player that I just love is Michael Gallup, Uh, Ben DiNucci, the backup quarterback who got, you know, uh, (laughs) baptized by fire on Thursday night football against, was it Sunday or Thursday, but it was against the Eagles uh, right after Dak went down. He's another character on the team. They, uh, the thing is people hate hard knocks, but if you're a Cowboys fan, you're going to love it because there's so many personalities on this team.
1: Well, I, we definitely look forward to to seeing it. And um, Jane, I'd like to know kind of, you mentioned uh, the face-to-face, the interaction in the locker room with the players, obviously, to, to be able to do your job. Uh, the pandemic had probably had an effect on that. Uh, kind of go into, you know, what you see maybe sticking around or, or how it did change during the pandemic and what you see kind of um, continuing on in terms of access and you, you being able to uh, do your job.
5: Great question. Uh, I think they're still sort of working through that. It's my understanding, if you've been fully vaccinated, uh, that you are going to have access to the players on the football field. And I think NFL Network specifically is able to go into the locker room um, for the preseason games. I don't know if any other reporters are going to be credentialed for that. Um, Again, don't quote me on that. But I think we're still sort of navigating this fluid situation and then you don't really know how this Delta variant is going to affect things. Um, For me to go to training camp, I have to be double vaccinated and then I also have to submit a PCR test before I get there in order to have access at camp. Um, So that just gives you a sense of even though we're vaccinated, uh, we also have to go through that PCR test. Now, again, It's been fluid throughout the year. I can't tell you how many times I was tested last season. Uh, We had tests that came in the mail. I had to send them out. And then if I went and got a rapid test, that wasn't good enough. It had to be a PCR test. Then you had to have a 72-hour turnaround. So those were just some of the challenges just for us to get on the... I mean, I would be literally heading to the airport and hoping that I would get my, my negative test in so that I could actually board the plane. Because if it didn't, then I had to turn around and go back home. And I wouldn't have that assignment. And they'd have to reassign somebody else. So it was no different than I think a lot of even the football players, like I, I mentioned Des Bryant, there were a lot of hiccups, but I get it, you're trying to keep people safe, I understand, but uh, workflow for our job was was a challenge, because we were mobile and we were on the road when a lot of people weren't last year.
1: So, Jane, I also uh, teach a class at SMU, uh, Contemporary Issues and Sport Management, and I, I've increasingly over the years have a lot of female students uh, asking, how do I get in, well, all students, quite honestly, about broadcast, and a lot of them want to be agents, but a lot of the the females, uh, uh, students in the class, you know, how, what advice uh, can you give me or give them uh, to get their foot in the door and opportunities in, in sport?
5: You know, I think one of the more frustrating questions I get, and you actually didn't phrase it the way that it typically comes across to me is it, how hard is it to be a woman in sports? It was hard when I started off in 2004 and there weren't many women in the locker room. And that's why, when you mentioned Shereen Williams earlier, I lit up because she to me was always an example of how I should treat the next generation. She was always so gracious, always wanted to help, always looked out for me. There's not a lot of women like that, uh, and that's unfortunate, but I do think that in order to be successful, it's no different than in any line of work that you're in. Be prepared, do your homework, ask smart questions, and don't be afraid to say, I don't know this. Can you help me understand this? I think the way that I've endeared myself to a lot of people is not pretending like I knew all the answers. You know, Please explain to me that scheme. Why is you know, that important? Or why is... Uh, Moving Leighton Van Der Esch from a position he feels more natural at make more sense to move him here. And so by asking just the very who, what, when, where, why and how questions like you're supposed to as a journalist, I typically get a lot of better answers. And I find that I've gotten a lot of respect because of that. But I think it's, you know, when you come in and this is guys and girls, when you come in, you haven't done your homework, you haven't prepped and you're not asking, you know, smart questions you're not going to get respect from your colleagues or the players. Um, but again, I think that's in, in any business if you're not coming in prepared and you're not asking smart questions.
0: That is uh, fantastic advice for, for many walks of life. So Jane, uh, thank you for joining us today. Some great tips for our listeners about what to look for in Cowboys training camp. We really appreciate you coming on. And now we're going to throw over to your friend, Rachel Scoggins, with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Monica, you know, Saturday Night Live has Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin and Tom Hanks, and the mic drop has Mark Followell, the the Emmy Award-winning, super talented uh, television voice of the Dallas Mavericks and other things, Uh, and also a soccer aficionado uh, becomes the mic drop's first repeat guest here on Show 22. We're going back to the well with Mark because... Monica, he was uh, in attendance last night at Cotton Bowl Stadium for CONCACAF, right?
3: I was there last night. And good morning to everyone. And Sully, what a great intro. And uh, what a, a tremendous honor to be the second, the first repeat guest, uh, second time here on the mic drop. It's great.
1: So, Mark, uh, wh- what did you think about Cotton Bowl Stadium? Uh, obviously, we've got a lot of Concacaf going on in the market. I don't know; I'm not sure if you were able to attend the the Mexico opener over at AT&T Stadium. We have a lot left uh, to to go with Sunday night's uh, Mexico El Salvador, and then quarterfinals. But uh, what are your thoughts so far about the Concacaf Gold Cup?
3: Well, uh, you know, obviously, all eyes are on Mexico and the United States, but there are still many other great games. I saw. Uh, A player named Bobby DeCordova-Reed scored a fantastic goal for Jamaica at a game against Suriname the other night. And as always in this tournament, some some interesting names and interesting teams emerged, and there's a a really interesting storyline. As far as what we've seen in Dallas so far, uh, Trinidad's goalkeeper on Saturday night was tremendous against Mexico. Uh, A result like that obviously increased the pressure for them in their game against Guatemala last night. I thought that it took them a little while to grow into the game, but once they scored their first goal, Rogelio Funes Mori scored uh, almost half an hour into the game last night. That seemed to be a big sigh of relief because remember they didn't score at all in the game against Trinidad on Saturday. So uh, the atmosphere was festive. It was great last night and it was a very good result for Mexico. That gets them back on track in this Gold cup.
1: Yeah. I think uh, excited to see what happens from a crowd and attendance standpoint on on Sunday out at Cotton Bowl Stadium with Mexico taking on El Salvador, obviously uh, CONCACAF and the Mexican team uh, being in the news a little bit uh, with, uh, with the uh, goalkeeper chant uh, going on. So hopefully Mexican uh, uh, fans can uh, I- enjoy the atmosphere and, 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 and sway away from that. But Mark, I, I know you follow. And, soccer. and there was none of that
3: last night. Let me, I, if I could just jump yeah. in. There was none of that last night. Somebody sitting in the stands amongst yeah. the. Uh, I think they announced almost sixteen thousand last night. Maybe I misheard that, but there was certainly nothing uh, along the lines of the uh, the unfortunate champ. So,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Go. I thought I thought the the crowd was uh, pretty good last night. Um, I, I know you're a big so- soccer fan. I know you uh, follow from an international standpoint. Give us an idea of, I guess, the strength of CONCACAF compared to, you know, we just had the the Euro uh, championship out there, the uh, South American championship, uh, you know, taking place. What's the strength of the CONCACAF uh, teams?
3: Well, look, CONCACAF is a growing and improving region. Um, you know, the United States obviously had a big dip with not making the World Cup in 2018, but I think that they're moving into a time is going to be very very memorable for all of us who are associated and love the sport because there are so many good young players playing for really good clubs right now in Europe. So obviously getting the United States back to the level that we are accustomed to seeing is step 1. Uh the next step of course is for Mexico to continue to remain strong. Uh you know, that's the best team in CONCACAF and I always feel like that uh you know and and you guys all know this that whenever you are competing against a better team that that's going to bring out the best in you potentially. And as long as Mexico keeps improving, hopefully that brings out the best in the United States. Uh, Look, the Euros were great. That's a better region than CONCACAF. Copa America with their star power with Messi and Neymar and Argentina and Brazil in the final, that's a better region than CONCACAF. But then you look around the rest of the world, uh, the Asian Football Confederation, CAF, that's the African Federation, CONCACAF ranks up very favorably with all those federations, which is why you see them getting very close to the same number of World Cup bids uh, every four years. Mark,
0: shifting gears to, uh, I guess we should call it your night job with the, with the Mavericks. <laughs> You'll be headed soon to the AAC for the introductory press conference with Jason Kidd as head coach and Nico Harrison as as GM. We we know, we know all know and love uh, Jake Kidd. Uh, we don't know a lot about Nico Harrison. I've been impressed with what I've read, the early returns. He's had a lot of uh, testimonials have come in from players and agents and others in the in the NBA community uh, and supportive of of him. What do you expect to hear from Nico today? What do you, what do you think uh, his approach
3: will be? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm as intrigued as everybody else in terms of what's going to be said today, because I'm not sure exactly what it will be. Uh, But I think that we'll start getting an idea for maybe his vision for the team. Um, And, and, you know, he's obviously not going to put all of his cards out on the table uh, because no general manager does. Uh, Sully, remember, many years ago, I remember Don Nelson, uh, Big Whistle, said that if my mouth is moving at certain times of the year, then you know I'm probably lying. So, like all general managers, uh, he's gonna, you know, have this stretch of time where he's gonna play it close to the vest. But I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say today. Um, you know, I, I think really I'm excited to hear why this was the time. You know, as you said, there were a lot of testimonials, a lot of players and agents from around the league spoke very, very highly of Nico finally moving into this role. And Jared Dudley, I believe, was a player that said that other teams have tried to hire him in the past. So what about this opportunity at this time made it the right moment for Nico to take this jump in his career? I'm looking forward to hearing him him, uh, expand upon that and, uh, you know, the other visions that he has, at least that he's willing to share at this point about the Mavs.
0: You know, and and having had the good fortune to spend some time with Jason Kidd through the years as mostly as a player in my case, but Uh, His, his, his basketball IQ is off the charts is at the position Luka Doncic plays. Uh, I I have to believe that he learned things because he studies the game so closely with his two seasons on the bench in Los Angeles, including that championship run two years ago that are going to help him and make him a better and different coach than he was in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. How do you see Jay Kidd as the incoming head coach?
3: Well, I think with anything in life, uh, the more opportunity you have to do something and the more reps, for lack of a better term, that you get, then in theory you should improve. So uh, I've seen Jason refer in previous interviews to uh, being with the Lakers for a couple of years as an opportunity for him to catch up on some steps that were maybe skipped uh, whenever he went from playing with the Knicks to being hired as the Nets head coach about two weeks after his retirement. So obviously that was a big challenge for him to go straight from playing into being a head coach. And then the difficulties that existed in Brooklyn and on to Milwaukee for four seasons. Uh, I think he, I'm sure he probably learned a lot from that, as you said. And, and I think that the assistant coaching experience, Frank Bogle's a great coach uh, being around LeBron. Certainly I think is a positive and the other great players with the Lakers, Anthony Davis, of course, it was a real integral part of that championship team. So, you know, I I'm, I'm with you. I think that he, Uh, certainly you would expect would improve uh, with each experience he has to be a head coach. And hopefully this will be a very long and successful.
0: one. You know, one last thing, Mark, the, the, uh, you know, with no draft picks in the upcoming draft, at least as of today, uh, there are limited ways that the Mavericks can, can improve the team and surround Luca with the kind of talent that, that they need to surround him with in order to end that run of not advancing in the playoffs. Uh, so maybe a new approach and maybe a, a different set of eyes and a little bit of creativity is, is 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 a good thing now for this team. What do you make of the way of the path for, for the team to surround Luka with better
3: players? Well, it's a challenge. Um, can they get into a position to get uh, enough cap room to really be active in the free agent market? If they do, then that means that there's a probably decent likelihood that maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. has gone elsewhere. Um, I think they're at the point where that would be a big loss. I mean, you would have to replace somebody who scored 16 points a game and hit over 200 threes at a high percentage for the second straight year. So that would be a loss. Um, You know, they've got to work to get Porzingis uh, healthier than he was this year, more consistent than he was, particularly in the playoffs. Uh, Some of that, though, was how he was used in the playoffs. He was a decoy in that series. And I think he's a much, much better player than to be stationed in the corner. As a decoy in a series, no matter how the Clippers are defending him. So getting him back to the player that averaged 30 points and nine rebounds a game in the bubble in Orlando is also a really important aspect of this offseason. But uh, yeah, they've got, you know, they've got the trade market. We'll see what kind of cap room they have. But, uh, you know, like any NBA offseason, uh, weird things happen and unexpected things Blossom out of nowhere, so we'll see if the Mavs are one of those teams where uh, something good blossoms in their garden when it comes to free agency. This
0: year. Well, we, yeah, we hope so, and I think I think it's a good time for hope and optimism and a, and a new new approach. So let's let's get it going. So, Mark, thank you for uh, for joining us today on the mic drop. All the best, and we look forward to uh, seeing you on the air uh, with whatever you're doing. But what's next for you? Do you have an Olympic assignment? Uh, I do. this this time. Yeah, tell us about what you're doing with the Tokyo Summer Games starting on the twenty third.
3: So on Sunday, I'll leave for Stamford, Connecticut, where the NBC broadcast headquarters are, as you know, Sully. And uh, we'll be there doing Olympic soccer starting on early in the morning Wednesday next week. I believe the 21st is the date on that. So uh, Tokyo is 13 hours ahead of the East Coast. So there's going to be some uh, strange call times. I believe my first game is Great Britain women versus Chile at 3.30 a.m. Eastern time on the Olympic Channel next Wednesday morning. So, uh, And I know you're going to be ready.
0: Yeah, Yeah, You'll be ready for it. Well, all the best. We'll be watching. And thanks again for for coming on. So on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Troy Aikman, Jane Slater, and Mark Follow. What a lineup today. We'll be back next week with another great show. We'll take a look at the official introduction of Nico Harrison and uh, and Jason Kidd. We'll look at how Jordan Spieth and the other uh, Dallas-connected PGA Tour players did at the Open Championship at Royal St. George. Uh, and we'll look about at what how the stars came through the NHL expansion draft. We might even talk a little WWE. So thanks also to the Mike Drop production team, Chris Amelia, Amanda Larder, Marcus Carr, Olivia Petnicki, the crew at Vocal Media, and our showrunner and visionary Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening.